The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Um, I'm very honored today to interview three people who are making such a difference in showing our world tolerance and forgiveness and remembering our history but also remembering it as a way to really learn for the future. This year, National Women's History Month, the theme is celebrating women of character, courage, and commitment. What better way to honor the extraordinary and often unrecognized determination and tenacity of women and the importance of writing women back into history? And today we're going to learn about two sisters, Rena and Danka, who survived over three years in the Auschwitz death camp by committing themselves to love compassion, and courage. And we're joined by cousins Robert Gellison, Arena and John's son, and Sarah Cohen, Donka's daughter, to talk about their families and their mothers and their online work. And we're also joined by co-author of the book, Rena's Promise, Heather Dune McAdam. We're going to honor the first woman in Auschwitz. Today, with the help of Yad Vashem, The Promise Project, We've been able to find the names of everyone on the first mass registered transport to Auschwitz. All 999 girls between the ages of 16 and 22 sent to Auschwitz as slave labor were paid for by the Slovakian government. Today, Rena's Promise Foundation is working to provide and to chronicle the lives of all of those girls so we can never forget the first women. Rena's Promise was nominated for a National Book Award in 1995 and was a bestseller on Kindle in 2012, when the new digital digital edition was released, and it's now available in audio under renaspromise.com. And before I introduce our guests, I want to uh, say something here. I interviewed Rena Gellison about 20 years ago when she was first starting. I met Heather Doom McAdam as she was writing this book. And now fast forward 20 years to see the remarkable work that they're doing. Rena was a joy and a delight to interview uh, and I met her husband, John, and we stayed in contact, and they died in the last few years. But I have to say that these people have left such an indelible mark. And I also want to say that there are many people that I have met over the years who have told me that they have read Rena's Promise, it has been in colleges, and it has really been an inspiration for students. And with that, I would like to introduce Heather Dune McAdam, who is the co-author of Rena's Promise. Welcome, Heather. Oh, thanks so much, Patricia. Yeah, yeah. great to reconnect with you again after all these years. I know, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, and Robert Gellison, who is, is Rena and John Gellison's son. Hello, Robert. Hi. Hi there, nice to be here. And Sarah Cohen, who is Donka's daughter. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me. 
Hello. Sarah, what was your mother's last name? Um, my mother's last name was Brandel. Uh, she met my father after the war in Amsterdam and married my father, Elias Brandel, in 1948. Okay. All right. So I, I'd like to start with you, Heather, on this. In terms of... I mean, you've, you started with this project at the very beginning, and you've stayed through it, and you've helped it win awards and create films. Why was this so important for you, Heather? You are not Jewish. You are not. But you really saw this, and you, you grabbed onto it. Thank goodness. Go ahead. Uh, you know, I, I think probably Rena grabbed me just as much as I grabbed her. And um, <laughs> we, uh, we made a pact, and I don't I, I don't. It's sort of the same promise that she made to Danka when they were in Auschwitz to to go through that experience together. Um, You know, Rena and I had the same same promise to each other, and I'll never forget when the book first came out, and she called me up and she was crying and she said, "I can't believe I'm holding my, you know, my book." and and, you know, there's a really pivotal part in the book where she loses her faith and she's praying to God to answer her prayer. And, um, and, I, and so she's holding her book and I said to her, I think God has finally answered your prayer. And mm-hmm. the, book, the book has been an answer to many, many prayers, but especially to Rena's and surviving Auschwitz and with her yeah. sister. And, and now that she's gone, um, you know, I just feel... Uh, so much more information is available to us today because mm-hmm. of the opening of Eastern Europe and yes. um, archives are now much more available to us. I've been able to uncover um, information that I was not able to uh, r- get hold of when I wrote the book. And so that's sort of given us a whole new, um, mm-hmm. breathed fresh air into into this project and so we've gotten very involved in in making sure that people know and and I will just say that you know in the past couple of years I think that the passion with what we developed on our website which is at renaspromise.com um, is that even with the Holocaust Museum and everything people still do not know that the very first mass registered transport to Auschwitz was women, 999 women. My aunt just gave me a a book called The Holocaust Chronicle, and I'm sorry, but, you know, March 26, 1942, it says is the first transport to Auschwitz. It does not mention that it was all girls. Interesting. So it is time for us to step up and say, hey, listen, it's the first Two and a half weeks to three weeks in Auschwitz, mm. um, the only Jews coming in were Slovakian young women and, of course, a few Poles who were hiding. Now, I want to move this over to, I think this is fascinating, and I want to ask Robert, and I also want to ask Sarah this question, because what was remarkable about this story was the lack of hatred that I know Rena had, the forgiveness in her heart the love in her heart. What did you both learn from your mothers about forgiveness and about love and about the lack of hatred? I'll start with you, Sarah. Um, It gave my life a a great deal of perspective um, growing up because for all that my mother went through, she really did appreciate 
her life afterwards. Her family meant everything to her, and uh, she would just walk around the block and enjoy nature and enjoy the day. So whatever little petty problems I had, she actually would say to me, uh, oh, when I was your age, I was in Auschwitz. So it really made me feel that I had a blessed life. And the mm. thing is, she always did um, have a difference between the German people and the Nazis. She never had like a hatred towards the German people or uh, against the Polish people. In fact, she and my aunt, um, when my aunt wrote the book, it was really a testament to all those people, uh, whether they were Germans or Polish or Jewish or Polish prisoners, to thank them for any little bit of kindness that they showed them that helped them survive. And they truly did survive because of other people's kindness. And that's what I grew up with. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Robert, what would you say? Well, yeah, I think, you know, my mother and, and aunt also, they uh, couldn't really bear the hate that might be involved with it, and I think that that, uh, you know, they were both more tolerant people because of that, uh, because really I think that if they were to hate after the war, that it would have really probably consumed them. Um, but uh, they were both very sweet, nice people for the most part. My mother taught me a lot about being good to other people regardless of where they are in life. When, for instance, mm. when we would have people over to the house to work, and she would always give them uh, some food and uh, uh, some sandwiches and, and drinks and so forth. And I never really realized that. Now I work in a service trade. I would appreciate that a lot more often if I actually was um, given that myself. So taught us a lot of kindness for everybody around you. Yes, and you know the you know the the films, the Oscar nominated films this year. I mean, if we look at Twelve Years as a Slave, which just won the Oscar last night, I mean, it deals with forgiveness and love despite years of slavery. And so I think you know, in the right time, why do you think that um, it's still important to examine women in the Holocaust, uh, Heather? Well, I. It, it is a huge shout out to Twelve Years a Slave and to the short documentary on the um, yes. the, the eldest Holocaust survivor to die, who she died last yes. week. Anna, I really want to see that. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, but yeah. you know the thing. The thing I always remind my students of is that um, this the people in Auschwitz uh, they were slaves, and um, and I was watching the BAFTAs a couple of. Uh, when um, when Twelve Years a Slave got uh, got its award, and the director stood up and said, "There are 21 million people in our world today who are in slavery. So slavery has not disappeared, and um, and it is the scourge of mankind that that we believe that anybody should believe that they have control or power over another human being to to the point of slavery and." And it is alarming, and a lot of the human trafficking that's going on is of women, and it is of young women, and a lot of times that slavery includes, um, you know, in the sex trades. So I think it is as important today, and one of the things that I always remind my students of is that, um, especially my African-American students, is we do not have uh, um, access to um, to people who survived years of slavery in, in conditions uh, like, like the African slaves 
suffered. Um, but we do have survivors from the Holocaust, and they, you know, the parallels are so similar. And so we have the ability to learn um, the, about the damage, the psychological damage, and what it mm-hmm. takes to survive. And we're talking about people who were enslaved for several years. Um, you know, the African slaves were. It was. We're talking a couple hundred. So it's a. It is very different in that respect. But I think it's a chance for us to really learn and empathize um, about human nature and how mm-hmm. how we can um, and how we can make a better world and change this. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert and Sarah, being cousins, what were some of the memories you had of your family functions with your mothers? What what stands out in your mind, uh, Robert? Um, well, they were very close. Obviously, they needed to be very close to survive uh, everything that they went through, um, and they were very close to the time to the point of I think uh, probably for Sarah too, and for me it was almost uncomfortable, I guess, because it was almost getting inside of one person's mind, I guess, and uh, mm-hmm. they were, uh, they were, you know, they were uh, volatile together, but they were also as loving as two people could be to each other, so there really was a, a bond between the two of them that I think a few people have with, the, you know, a sibling or even a, a uh, spouse uh, in their lives, mm-hmm. so, you know, it was a pretty special uh, relationship, like I said, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. up, sometimes down, but definitely a, a very, very strong uh, bond yeah. to each other. Yeah, and Sarah, I'd like you to comment on that, but also comment on the fact that it was Rena's promise to Danka that they would survive. So they were very dependent on each other, and in fact, without Danka, Rena may not have survived, and without Rena, Danka might not have survived. So what's your feeling about all that? What was your, how did your mother feel about all that? That's absolutely true, and my mother always credited my aunt with her survival, totally. Mm. My mother was not as alert in the war as my aunt, and definitely I don't think she would have made it. But oddly enough, my aunt felt that without my mother, she wouldn't have survived because my mother gave her a purpose to live. And she really believed in her heart that she would help my mother survive, bring my mother back to their parents, and uh, that was her goal and her purpose and gave her the strength to live. And there was only one point in this journey that my aunt had given up, and that's when my mother did physically help her survive. During the death march, my aunt just lost all hope and faith and sat down, didn't want to move any longer. The death march was awful. They were marching in the snow for days without any food. People were being shot all around them. And she didn't want to go on. And it was then that my mother uh, picked her up under the arm with the, another friend, and they literally kind of dragged my aunt along until she got the will again to live. So they, it really was, they called each other the Siamese sisters in Poland. They were always together. They were two years apart. They were very different in nature, but they always were together, and it was the same thing as adults. They would sew together, they would cook together, they talked in rapid Polish over the phone constantly. So that bond was always very, very strong, and they each felt that uh, they had helped each other survive, and they would not have done it without each other. Mm-hmm. I have to add here, the last yeah. time the sisters, or the last time that I was with 
everybody when we got the sisters together and Sarah and Robert, you were both there as well and we had a family dinner or lunch. We met at a diner and and um at this point um both of both of them had pretty much lost their um English skills and they were speaking a lot of Polish to each other and I had a student who was with us, Agnieszka, and she was and I brought her so we could understand what they were saying. <laughs> and they they were sitting there. The food was late. And um, Sarah, your mom was um, worrying, and she kept taking the bread and and nibbling on it. And um, I forget the whole s- series, but but Rena was patting her hand and telling her sister in Polish it was okay that their food was going to come. And Danka oh. was worrying about, she was hungry and she was worried about not getting fed. And, and, oh. and I remember we were all sitting there going, you know, this is, it was so incredible because we were watching really like them play this out, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like a reenactment of what had happened all those years ago. All those years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the last little bit, and this was, this was my favorite memory of you and your mom, Sarah, was when you you uh, and Agnieszka, you all started to sing Polish songs, children's songs. Yeah, that's the only Polish I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you're some songs in Polish, and uh, even in dementia, my mother would be able to sing along with me. But I also want to comment, I've been watching some home movies, and I watched my mother's 70th birthday recently, and... Um, my Aunt Rena made a toast, and she got all choked up, and she said, we never thought that we would live to see this day, and she hugged my mother, and my mother agreed. She said, I, I never thought this would happen, and they were surrounded by family and love, and so even if we had wonderful occasions together, they always mentioned the miracle that it was that they survived and and they had families afterwards. Robert, do you want to add to any of this? Well, I mean, it does give us a a great appreciation, Sarah and I, for, you know, how lucky we are to be here. You know, most people, I think, don't understand, you know, just the biology, I guess, of of it being so tough to to be a person on this planet. And uh, for Sarah and I, We've had you know a little bit more of that because we came so close to not being here. So mm. it does, uh, mm. in a way, give us an appreciation. And our mothers mm. were very strong on that to appreciate the gift that we were given of life. Mm. I think that uh, it was. A you very know, I, I want to Heather. Um, I had read the book and talked to you, of course. And the story that I remember, and when I give motivational talks, which I often give, I tell the story. I hope I'm I'm hope I'm accurate, but the story that I tell is the story of when Rena and Donka were in the line uh, that that uh, they felt this wasn't a good line, and Rena kept looking and she saw the commandant coming, and she said to Donka, "This isn't good," mm-hmm. because the commandant was taking other people out of the line and protecting them, and so Rena well, said the to Donka, "It was no, it was yeah, that was when they were selected for to be experiment victims. They thought it was a work exactly." Detail. And, right, um, and, that, and that she said, yeah. we're going to die. Rena said, we have to get out of line. And Donka said, we can't because we'll die. And Rena said, we're going to die anyway. <laughs> so she go. pulled her out of line. <laughs> and she said how she just walked out and she felt her mother's hand covering her so that she was invisible. And she said to, to Rena, to Donka, if I'm doing this right, uh, we're invisible. 
and then she got them in and they changed the uniforms and they got back out and they were okay. able to confuse everybody so they didn't know they were out of line. And that was the that was the experiment for Mengele where no one lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there I, were that many, story to I me mean, is so amazing. Hundreds and hundreds of girls. And that was probably one of the very, you know, I don't know the exact date of that, but yeah, they um, <clears throat> they were incredibly lucky, and and that was, um, you know, it it all goes back to both the promise because Rena said to her sister, "I promise to die with you," but that was only if we were selected. Now you're choosing to die, and I'm going to leave you here. And Donka said, "I'll go." <laughs> you know, she wasn't going. That was my mother's biggest fear to be left alone. Yeah. And so uh, my and Rena aunt knew that. <laughs> she knew that, and she said, "I'm going to leave you here alone." Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I was. When my mother um, decided to go with her, and it was really a miracle. But it was also my aunt's alertness that she noticed that people were being taken out of line, and they mm-hmm. were being protected because they were somehow related to you know, the person yeah. that was taking them out of the line, and she noticed that it was not a good place to be, and when they thought it was a, good, a better work detail. And uh, it's just a miracle. And you have to know my Aunt Rena, too. She, even later in life, walked very briskly and directly and with purpose. And I think when she walked out that way, as she did also in her selections, she looked like she knew where she was going. <laughs> and my mother just followed suit. Yeah. And I think that was part of why they were able to do what they did. That's a really good point, Sarah. I have to say, just you know, I I was the narrator for the audio book, and and reading through the book is a it's a really different experience, of course, than reading it quietly. But I just you know I had such um, I felt a to- completely different connection to Danka, Sarah's mother, and uh, and just just um, Danka was so sweet. And so, um, just, uh, you know, I, I really felt her as I was reading the book and I rem- and just feeling, um, how much she loved her sister and, um, and how that love su- supported the two of them. And, um, just, you know, I have to say being, um, a surrogate member of the, the Gellison <laughs> family, the Kornreich family, um, the thing that always impressed me so much about the family and these two cousins is the the warmth and closeness between everybody and um, and when Rena was um, we were very close to her dying it was within a couple of weeks and and I remember I was up visiting and Robert had disappeared we were all sitting out on the porch and everybody had pretty much gathered and and we were sitting outside on the porch talking and somebody said where is Robert and um, and I don't know who said it, but they said uh, he's he's in bed with mom, snuggling with mom, and he had mm-hmm. fallen asleep, and he was lying in bed holding his mother and curled up around her. And I just thought, you know, what a beautiful family! Just you know, mm-hmm. it was so incredible. And Robert's um, daughter, I remember standing there with her aunt in bed, and you know, it was not a pretty picture, and she had just. Um, she had so much love in her eyes, she was not afraid of looking at death, you know. She just um, had such courage and, and, and love for her, for her grandmother and just a really amazing family, a really yeah. incredible. Robert, Robert, 
I just need to say that I've listened to portions of Heather's reading of the book, and I know the stories quite well from my mother's telling, from reading the book several times. Hearing Heather read this was so moving to me. She got the voice of everybody in the story, changed her tone of voice. It moved me to tears. And, uh, and when she even spoke in my grandmother's voice, I just felt I'm named after my grandmother, Sarah, and I just felt her presence so strongly. It was really one of the most moving things that happened to me. And um, my mother passed away in November of 2012, and I was with her in the room when she passed. And it was very peaceful. But I was so happy to be with her because I felt I was taking Rena's place and I was not going to allow her to be alone when she died. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. oh amazing. Robert, your, your comments about what Heather just said about how you snuggled with your mom. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I was, I was put in a position to help uh, my parents as my mother uh, faded away into dementia. And, uh, you know, again, it's kind of one of those things that I think was driven by fate. Uh, I was glad to be available and strong enough to be around, so they moved back up into the area here. And so I was, you know, one of a number of caregivers uh, that helped uh, my mother during uh, her last years. And uh, it was a, a very, very nice thing to be able to give back. Um, it was what my mother had taught me in the first place. So yeah. uh, it was nice to really be able to uh, to practice it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Heather, I want to ask you about the promise vigils. Um, I, I, all of your comments are very touching, and uh, Robert's comments and Sarah's comments. I mean, because we're, we're not just, and I also want to say, Heather, you know, you were such a catalyst here, because without your support and belief, and tenacity, this book wouldn't have happened, nor would have the movie. So, I, I, you know, it is their story, but you really, you were the one that said, I'm going to make this happen. And that's very special. Mm. Yeah, that's very yeah, true. Really, Thanks, really. Very grateful as a family to Heather yeah. for doing that. Well, yeah. I couldn't do yeah. it without the family behind me. We, we are... Uh, we are an amazing little group. We have a, um, and the promise vigils was this crazy idea I had. I was yeah, living in tell Europe. tell us about that. And it was, the, I realized I'm living in Europe, and I was set, it was the 70th anniversary of the first transport going to Auschwitz. And I called up Sylvia, who is Robert's um, eldest uh, daughter and Rena's daughter, um, and, uh, or, sorry, sister, eldest sister and Rena's right. daughter. Well, I can't speak. And Sarah's, uh, cousin as well. And I called up Sylvia and I said, I think I should go to Auschwitz. <laughs> and, um, and so they thought, you know, she contacted Sarah. And what we decided to do was create a world event. And we got people from all over the world to gather and light candles and honor the first woman in Auschwitz at the same time that I was traveling from Poprad, Slovakia, where the first transport left. Um, And there is a plaque in the train station commemorating the first transport. And um, I traveled with the the singer-songwriter, Jem, and we took a train with her mother and my partner, Simon, and we, we traveled for 11 hours on a train to Auschwitz. And, um, and commemorated th- that event, and we vlogged it using video and um, 
and tweeted. And, and meanwhile, Sarah and Robert were doing a commemoration on Long Island. Sylvia, um, Rena's daughter, was in Washington, D.C. We had friends in Australia. I had somebody in Bali, somebody in Hawaii. There was somebody in Alaska. And we had little tiny groups getting together, bookstores and spiritual places, um, synagogues and Buddhist temples. And, um, and everything in between. And it was amazing. It was just, um, just one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I hope to do it again. <laughs> well, we are talking so, yeah. about uh, the day of their liberation, May 2nd, 1945, and yep. the anniversary okay. of that will be coming up. So yep. we'll have yeah. to uh, think about that. <laughs> and I and you know and I appreciate and I I appreciated Heather when she filmed her uh, journey to Auschwitz. It's something that my mother never wanted to do. My aunt did have the courage, although it was very difficult for her to go back to her hometown and then to Auschwitz. And it's something that I hope to do in the future. But I also haven't had the strength mm-hmm. to do it. And so it, for our honor and for our family, I was very grateful that Heather um, went on that right. journey for yes, us. Yes, and, and, uh, and did Rena go? Did Rena go back? She went back in 1990. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was that like for her? Robert, Robert you, you want to share, share that? Sure, sure. I, um, I think that was part of what led to, for her, everything getting released. Uh, because she really, um, the, the writing of this book, and you know, it was a, a blessing that Heather got involved, uh, was very cathartic for my mother, uh, and that probably started with that trip to Europe. But uh, when she was able to release the book, uh, then she was able to release a big part of herself, something that was bottled up inside. Mm-hmm. And her last six or seven years before she started sliding into dementia were definitely the happiest years of her life. She was really just very mm-hmm. content, and so I could never thank Heather enough for, if nothing else, allowing my mother to kind of let loose there in the end. Mm. Um, so, uh, so she went to Auschwitz before she met you, correct, Heather? Yeah, she went yeah, she, right I met before her in '92, and she had been there two years earlier. She did not make it to Birkenau. She got to Auschwitz, um, and she was supposed to meet with the director of the Women's Museum, Erna Stoletska, who <clears throat> endorsed our book when it came out. But um, she ended up collapsing, and mm-hmm. um, and. John, uh, her husband, took her back to the hotel, and um, and she begged him to get her out of Poland, and so they flew home early. Yeah, well, yeah, that would yeah. make a lot of sense to me. I think she had courage to go in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah amazing. Oh, she was All definitely right. like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that whole process of starting to let the book out—it it started a couple of years earlier. She actually started to confide in me a little bit, her her baby son, um, <laughs> and uh, I wasn't really able to do. To, you know, to listen to her, of course, and so forth, but I, uh, not having really any uh, abilities to write, uh, wouldn't be able to do much for her in a way of mm. releasing it, really. And so luckily with Heather um, coming on board, then that uh, all was able to happen, and it was really to my mother's benefit uh, that it all happened. It was to my benefit, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you Heather, know, tell us... If, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry, Sarah. The surprising thing is, is that uh, through our website and Facebook page, and also when my aunt was going to schools and speaking of it and getting letters from people, it overwhelms the family 
of the emotional response of our readers. I'm constantly amazed at how this story of our mothers touches people so deeply, people who had no idea about the Holocaust or about the Jewish people and, and what had happened to them, and they write amazing things to us of how it's touched them, how it's affected their lives. And I think my aunt, that was one of the things that uh, she really appreciated as well, that it was possibly helping other people. Sure. That was a very big thing for Rena. She wanted to make sure nothing like this ever happened again. And I have to say, um, you know, any of your listeners who who want to um, join our family, we are on Facebook under Rena's Promise, and you can uh, write in notes. And Sarah is on there all the time, writing wonderful little comments back to people. Sylvia is on there as well. I get on there every once in a while. Um, but it's really amazing, you know, every once in a while I get an email saying, have you seen Facebook today? Oh, my God, there's this beautiful note. And, and it is, um, it's something that Rena and Donka would have loved, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially mm-hmm. Rena because she loved to talk. <laughs> she would love, she, you know, she, she would have a line. The line would be backed up because she'd be talking to people so much, and I have to go. You have to sign books. Sign books. <laughs> Talking away. So, so tell. Yeah, I remember her so well. I remember her, and of course, John. And and I was very honored. I want to tell you something, all of you, and especially Heather. There's a woman here in the community in Rhode Island who called me recently, and she said, "You know, I just read the most powerful book called Rena's Promise." <laughs> she said, and I saw Patricia Raskin listed is one of the people that they thanked for the interview. She said, that's you, right? And I said, yes, and then I went on, and I was, I was wonderful. It was wonderful oh, to hear that. Sweet. So, yeah, many years later. Um, we have to close, but Heather, tell us how people can celebrate Women's History Month because you launched Rena's Promise as an audiobook, and how people can learn more and be part of it. Well, um, you know, Women's History Month, first of all, it's about... Um, writing women back to back into history and i think the way we do that is we make sure people acknowledge women in history especially our wonderful positive women um like yourself and rena and danka um and we we pass on history you know history is um a verbal and written medium and we make sure people know the stories for those of your listeners who are interested in rena's promise they can go to our website um, especially teachers, we have free curriculum offered on our website that helps teachers find new and unique ways of teaching the Holocaust. The timeline, we have an interactive timeline that is focused on women in Auschwitz and starts with March 26, 1942, when the first transport of uh, Jews arrived in Auschwitz and the first transport of women arrived in Auschwitz. And finally... Um, we have the audio book, which we have just done, so we can help people uh, hear her story that, who are visually impaired or dyslexic, as well as we mm-hmm. have the new, the new e-book, um, which is out. And that is a new edition with information, uh, very new information that we've just gotten from Yad Vashem in Jerusalem about the first 999 girls in Auschwitz. Oh, that's wonderful. And they can get a copy of Rena's Promise by going onto the website as well. They get actually the website links you right up to Amazon and to all all of the formats. 
Um, the, actually, the newest thing, and this is shipping out to Amazon today, and I and I love that uh, that that we're sort of launching it. Is we have just produced a CD, an MP3 CD, so that libraries can order Rena's Promise and have it in their um, their audio libraries. Because if you're like me, you like to listen to audiobooks while you're driving. So we now have Rena's Promise available as a CD MP3 as well. Oh, which is great. And I have not heard it, and I really want to. Really want to hear that. Thank and you. I can just, you can download that online, correct? You can. You can get that on, through Audible. All right. Um, closing thoughts. I've extended this interview because it's so important. Closing thoughts. Uh, what would you like our listeners to gain from this about women survivors, about looking at women in the Holocaust, about family and closeness through tragedy and horror that comes uh, and keeping in forgiveness in our hearts? So uh, I'll start with Sarah. What would you? What would be your message to our listeners? I think that. Um, because we focused on women in the Holocaust, which isn't always the case. A, a lot of attention has been drawn to men in the Holocaust. It was an unusual situation where uh, Jewish women were targeted as well as uh, women, uh, other women uh, during a war. And the way that they survived proves that their courage and tenacity and uh, willpower can get them through some amazingly horrible circumstances. And I would hope that people take a positive message from that, that tomorrow is a better day and uh, you can be resilient and get through it. And as well as learning that our mothers were just simple farm girls from a little town thrown into a circumstance um, and that if you learn their story, you know that it wasn't a stereotypical Jew that Hitler tried to portray as evil. They were just regular people. And the more we learn about people and have love and tolerance for people, then hopefully the less this will happen in the world in the future. Mm. Thank you so much. Robert, your thoughts? Well, just I think that, uh, first of all, like you were saying, that uh, as far as women, that they're extremely strong and uh, resilient and able to uh, uh, take on whatever life throws at them. And my aunt and my mother certainly were uh, examples of that, even though they came from a regular old farm background. And so, you know, I think it just brings forth again that the strength of the human character, in this case uh, the character of women, that uh, really they tend to overcome whatever's thrown uh, to them, whether it be pregnancy or uh, a prison camp. And so my hat is, of course, always off to uh, my mother and my aunt and gives me a great deal of respect for uh, women in general. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. And Heather, the catalyst. Well, I am Heather. simply going to close with my favorite quote of Rena's. Um, I don't have enough room in my heart to hate. To hate is to let Hitler win. Mm-hmm. I remember after the interview with Rena, at the very end of the interview, she said, and when I had my first baby, I thanked Hitler. No, 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 no. No, she didn't no? thank Hitler. No. She said, I love I love the doctor. I love the nurse. I love my husband. I love the whole world, even with the Germans in it. Okay. Clo- okay. Well, I think I think that's very important because what I mean the point of this is that she had tremendous forgiveness. 
Well, I do have to say that my father was a Dutch Jew who survived the war by hiding his identity. And when he saw his grandchildren growing up, and they grew up in the Jewish faith, he said that was his answer to Hitler. So I think a lot of survivors felt that their children uh, and their grandchildren were their answer. Mm -hmm. And continue to be, because these these children, Robert and Sarah and Sylvia and, and, and all of the, you know, Kornreich grandchildren, uh, and the great-grandchildren are carrying these messages of life and love and forgiveness into a future world. Very, 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 very important. Very important. Thank you so much. And thank I want to thank, yes, thank Sarah. And I want to thank Robert Ellison, thank Sarah you. Cohen, and Heather D. McAdam. All right, stay on the line for me if you would. All right, folks, this closes out this uh, session of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Um, you can log on to patriciaraskin.com, and you can also go on to voiceamerica.com where this interview is archived. And you just uh, go on to my page, Patricia Raskin, and you'll see the latest interview. It should be up within the next hour or so. All right, remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back.